Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 433 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Alberto Belli of Gamera Interactive and ask them about the design and development of their multi-layered role-playing game, Alalof, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. It's not often you have a developer so open and honest about the trials and tribulations of game creation as we do in this episode. Alberto was very very open and very transparent about the struggles that Gamera have had over the years of making Alalof Champions of the Four Kingdoms. Quite an extraordinary game as well. It has many, many facets to it that ostensibly when you look at it, you think, oh, this looks like a regular kind of hack and slash Diablo clone. But it is not that. It is far from that. It can be more removed from that. In Alalof Champions of the Four Kingdoms, you're... Actions have consequences with a capital glowing sea. And it ripples right through the land and also other characters within it and how you are treated by people within that world. It's an extraordinary achievement. And I'm very happy to have Alberto on to talk about the creation of an extraordinary game. So without further ado, this isn't to me from the relatively recent past. Talk to Alberto about Alaroth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. Hello, Alberto. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, I'm actually a developer, and uh, I'm the creator, I would say, of Alaroth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms, which is uh, an RPG that we have just released as a studio. I run a studio which is Gamera Interactive. It's... Uh, of course, a development studio, but even a, a publisher, let's say, because in one of my previous life, I used to be on the other side. So I come from publishing and I spend a lot of time in publishing. So uh, th- that's what I do. <laughs> no, no, it's a very, like, a lot of hats there, but that's the nature of, of the beast sometimes. But it's good that you come from enabling others and now go, you know what, I can do this. And now you've made Alolof, which, you know, why not just so lightweight sort of puzzle game oh wait <laughs> <laughs> so how did you make your start making video games then? i started as a journalist not as a developer so it's you know it's a common path for a lot of people uh so i started uh, completely my case because uh, i used to be a, a professional footballer and at a time in 2001 uh my contract was aspiring I used to be uh, a reader of, uh, of video game magazines in Italy. So my fiance at time uh, was checking for, uh, was looking for 
uh, a job, I think, in the on the university website. And she found uh, an announcement for an editor uh, for a mysterious uh, magazine uh, from a mysterious publisher. But I knew that it was the publisher named Play Press Publishing that was the only one, one of the few, let's say, not the only one, in Italy publishing video games magazines. And I, and I was a reader. So I sent them a fake resume just to meet them. Uh, and I basically had this interview with them. And when I met them, I said, okay, it was just a fake resume, but I am a reader. I, I was trying a way to, to meet you just because I, I love your work. And it turned it into a four hours conversation and they made me an offer uh, just the day after. And uh, as I said, my contractor in football was aspiring. So I had to, you know, I had to think about this because I, I, I'm looking for a real job or I would like to be a footballer for the rest of my life. I can say 20 years later that I was wrong, of course, I, I should have been a footballer. <laughs> but at the time, at time, I said, okay, let's try. So I just lowered the level, let's say, in football and started as, as journalist in, the, in this publisher. And I've been there for six years. I've been editor-in-chief of Xbox Magazine and a bunch of other magazines there. And then uh, in 2006, a friend of mine, uh, which is Stefano Petrullo, you probably know him, is <laughs> uh, very famous in the UK, he's a PR guy. Uh, he moved in Coach Media and he asked me if I was interested in taking his place uh, in, the, in the company where he was working for at the time with uh, Italy. So under under the, the leader group, there were labels like, labels like, you know, leader distribution, distributing all the big guns in Italy, Milestone, which is actually still the, the largest studio in Italy, and uh, agency, marketing agency. Uh, so I, I said, yes, okay. And I moved uh, basically in PR. And I did some work in PR there. So I took care of the corporate PR, uh, product PR. So let's say I started with publishing the going, starting working with Milestone and then with all the publishers that we used to distribute. So Leader was cool because at the very end, it was not just distribution. It was basically co-publishing because we used to distribute Midway, for example, or Eidos or Bethesda all the publishers that were missing a, a branch office in Italy. So we were not basically just distributing their games, but sharing marketing plans and sharing strategies that they even used in the rest of Europe and sometimes even worldwide. So it was, it was like being, you know, marketing NPR manager for each of these publishers at the same time. And it was, uh, let's say, something unique at the time. Uh, basically, I, I did all my experience there on the publishing side. Then I had uh, a very small um, a very small period uh, back in journalism because I, I brought Eurogamer.it in Italy. So I started the Italian branch of Eurogamer. And then I definitely moved in, in development. Uh, uh, I started in a small company, which is which was... Forge 11, that later on was acquired by Reply, and today is Reply Game Studios, which is one of the largest studios in Italy. Uh, I was not one of the founders, but I was one of the of the one, let's say, of the of the first one at work there. And then I founded actually my very first development studio, which was Storm in a Teacup. Storm in a Teacup is still active; is another of the of the largest studio right now. Uh, in Italy, uh, we released Nero, which was one of the first indie exclusive for Xbox One. So it has been a, a, a great ride. But the, the point is that I was not uh, thinking to uh, developing that kind of games because Starminity has been built to, to go on with narrative games and stuff like that. And I was thinking about an RPG since, you know, <laughs> 15 years. So uh, I sold my shares basically, and I've, I started Gamera as my own company. Uh, and uh, we basically built Gamera to develop Palabot. Then something changed on the way, but basically we, we built up Gamera to, to, to develop Palabot. Right. And what, a, what a story. Fantastic stuff. And obviously, yeah, uh, that's why I love asking that question because you get all sorts of answers. And uh, <laughs> no, it's wonderful stuff. So, I mean, we could ask you what position you play, but let's not do that. Cause... <laughs> 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 but, 
midfield. I don't know. Anyway. There you go. Wow. No fear. There you that, 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 that yeah. is. Because you, you work in team, but you are alone, which is basically the story of my life right, as a, a right. developer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So next question. As a creator of things, I must ask you this. What do you believe are your biggest influences? The 80s, the 90s. So I'm 44. So basically everything that I loved. I mean, it's something that every developer in the world says. You know, I'm, I'm doing my my dream game. I'm developing in this because it's something that I always uh, think, you know, is not like this. I always worked on games that I didn't like, <laughs> let's say. So a lot of different genres. Uh, I did a lot of racing games, for example, in Myson, which is, which is not my stuff. I don't, I don't like this kind of games, but uh, working on these kind of games anyway uh, leaves you a lot of uh, you know, experience. Uh, and uh, let's say that Talalot is the game, is one of the few games that uh, I always wanted to do and I have been lucky to work on. And this is my game the way, of course, I run the company. So all these influences are basically shaping everything here. And as I said, it's, it's all the influences come from the 80s and 90s. So a lot is an RPG. So there is a bit of, you know, D&D, but there is even Willow or uh, Dragonlance books or, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, there is a, a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a tribute game in many different ways. And there is a, a bit of every single thing I liked uh, in form of, you know, a feature or just a sentence or a name of a charter here and there. So that's why it's a, it's a tribute game in many different ways. But again, all the influences are basically, I guess, shared from all the people born in the 80s. I'm 79, so it's not in the 80s. In the, I'm in the 70, officially, but, but still. So th th this kind of stuff, so... And I, I still think that the 80s and the 90s are uh, the alpha and omega, let's say. So everything is coming back from the 80s and from the 90s, and it, it's still working. So th that's for a reason, I think. I, I do often have to remind people that uh, Baldur's Gate came out in 1998. <laughs> it, it, that, that, for me, was the... The zenith. Yeah, yeah. It was such an extraordinary. I graduated in '98, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> '96 for me, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, next question: What video game developer do you admire most, and why? It can be a person Sorry, or a studio. What video game developer do you admire most, and why? Um. Of course, talking about RPG and 80s and 90s and stuff, uh, of course, I played a lot. My well, game, the game of my life is Ultima Online, which is not entirely Richard Garriott because it, it's it's a different stuff. I mean, it's Ultima is Garriott, so I would say Garriott for sure. And, you know, Sid Meier. I love Sid Meier Pirates at the time. I, I started playing games with Amiga 500. So... All my faith come from, let's say, Amiga time. So Sid Meier for Sid Meier Pirates. Uh, I don't like, I mean, I like, but I, I'm not a fanboy, a huge fanboy of uh, Eastern games. So I don't like, oops, too much developers from the East. So I'm not a, a huge uh, fanboy of Japanese games, for example. So uh, I, I would say that I love all, a lot of devs and studio from the West. So, you know, uh, my favorite studio today is Obsidian, which is a benchmark for me. Uh, I have a lot of friends working there uh, in exile. If we're talking of today, if we're talking about uh, individuals, again, probably Richard Garriott is, is the one that I feel connected for just for the time I've spent uh, uh, on Ultima online and not on the saga, I mean. Uh, Bethesda guys too. Uh, I can't quantify how much hours I spent on Daggerfall, for example. So I would say everyone for, from the West uh, somehow connected with RPG stuff. These are my favorite designers and, and studios. If I had to, to mention a studio today, Obsidian for sure. 
because it's our inspiration. No, it's that's wonderful. Um, it's been going for almost 50 years now. I have to remind people uh, that genre, that CRPG, uh, some of the earliest yeah. games came from that place. Uh, Wizardry yeah. um, and, of course, the Ultima series. Um, so, yeah, what, what, it's a remarkable uh, feat to think of the... Uh, so it, it, it speaks volumes about uh, Alalos. It, it answers a couple of questions. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, uh, last question of the first half is this. What are you playing right now? I'm playing Alalos right now because <laughs> we are testing because we are testing a new update which is uh, on the way. So basically, dragons on the way. Uh, I have to say that I'm that I'm doing something unusual for me because in the spare time, which right now is just a few, I'm playing uh, a free to play game which is uh, World of Worship Legends. Don't know if you played it, but it's basically you know a shooter with ships, uh, and I like it because it's very slow, because I'm old and fat, and moving ship, moving a ship is, don't require uh, a lot of effort, you know, so you can take aim very slowly, uh, you can leave your ship going while doing coffee or stuff like that, so it's not, you know, it's not doom, and I, I'm playing this because you, I can just jump in, have 10 minutes fun, uh, and leave and go back to work. But of course, when I, when I have some spare time, I, I usually try to play RPGs, both because I, I like playing RPGs and, and even because I, I need to, you know, I need to know about other games being a developer developing RPGs. So uh, I used to uh, try to recoup old games that I didn't play at the time, or I used to try to find, you know, small games that, uh, didn't have so much visibility at launch, stuff like that. But that's what I'm doing right now. Not not so much time to play right now. I understand. And we have a lot of guests who say, well, I've got not, not anything right now, but I plan to, and they list this whole raft of things that they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, let's say that Steam Deck is helping because, you know, I'm playing while when I go to bed, I, I have an hour just to, you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. try to... Yeah go through my backlog and find stuff but yeah that's it okay let's move on to the second half of the show now where we should be delving deep and it believe me there's depths here everyone to Alolot, champions yeah. of the four kingdoms
So, Alberto, before we can do that, we need to know what it is, it being Aloloth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. So, what is it, in your own words? Uh, we are using a very simple payoff right now, uh, which is basically the feed that uh, a lot of players gave to the game reviewing it, that press gave to the game reviewing it, and that we originally pitched to everyone. So it's like Baldur's Gate and Dark Souls had a baby. And that's it. The, the cool thing is that this is the original vision we had of the game, something in between old school and modern action. So the original idea was basically to bring um, 3D mechanics from action RPG working with an ISO view. So that's the original idea we had. And we are happy because apparently <laughs> we delivered th th this vision and people is recognizing it. So th that's what is all about. It's, it's not a TRPG, it's not Diablo, it's something in between. So Baldur's Gate and Dark Souls are the baby for me is the, is the, is the best quote. Uh, and I'm happy of these, of course. Yeah, that's fair. Although I would, I think it's oversimplistic. No offense. Uh, I don't think you take offense. No, it has to, it has to be to be to be understandable by everyone. So yeah. it, it has to be. It has to be played. It just Alalof has to be played to to really yeah. understand. So my first question is something that struck me because I'm a massive tabletop RPG fan. I play a lot of them, not just Dungeons and Dragons. I'm playing through Enemy Within Campaign or Warhammer, for example, or running it. and So I'm familiar with this kind of thing, but I so very rarely see what I'm about to ask you in an RPG. So here we go. Deeply embedded within Analoth Champions of the Four Kingdoms is a sense that there are measured actions about what you do as a character, all of which have direct and indirect consequences why why did you why did you throw yourself into this because that's a big ask for a for a, a video game rpg let's say that as you say it is way more easier to play the game than to explain it mm. uh, for a number of reasons and a lot of people of course is asking about uh you know uh choices and consequences i, I usually answer that Try to do something original. Uh, we define a lot like a game which is not player-centered, is more world-centered. Because one of the things that I really don't like about RPG is like, you know, this sense of urgence that the, the world is ending. There is a, a huge boss that is trying to, to end the world and you spend 200 hours playing, you know, a card game in the game at the tavern. So there is, the, you know, and the, the word is, the, the game is word-centered the way the word does not wait for you, but this does not mean that you have to, to worry. Let, let me explain because it, I know it's tricky. Uh, a lot of people complain about the fact that if you have a timer, you have to worry and you can't enjoy the game in full. It's not like this. There is a calendar, so there is a timer, and there is stuff that is happening following the calendar. The world has different phases. This means that Alot is going, um, let's say, is getting power. The more the time passes, the more Alot is, is, is getting power. So you feel this sense of uh, hurry, but it's fate because the game is not going to be more difficult, but the world is changing accordingly with the timer. So dialogues are changing. Uh, NPCs are changing. Uh, the, the feed you have from these NPCs is changing. And I think that this is one of the best thing of the game. And back to your question, how the world is reacting. It's worth centered the way the quests are very straightforward, so you don't have these huge branching dialogues here and there. And if you choose something in the dialogue, you change something of the quest. Uh, the game is 
the world is changing the way if you do a quest or another quest, you unlock uh, a new set of quests accordingly with the timer. So it's the world that is, that is changing in its integrity, let's say. It's not just about this is the quest and you can solve the quest uh, following one path or another. You're going to do your quest or not. If you do the quest, something happened. If you don't, something else happened. And all of this is completely integrated in the, in the, in the calendar. So there are you know, seasonal events. For example, there, are, there is a huge market in the, in the Dwarven Kingdom, which is every year. There is a huge market in the Orchish Kingdom, which is every year. And if you miss these events, you can attend the year later, uh, stuff like that. There are mm, you know, wandering merchants that pop here and there accordingly with their, you know, their schedule. So I think this is one of the best features that we have delivered because it, it really works well. Because again, there is this sense of urgency because you know that a lot is, is going to be dangerous uh, day by day but you have the time to to enjoy uh, and, and anyway there is a a single player campaign but even a competitive campaign and the competitive campaign is the same game but you're going to play against three other champions that are basically doing what what you're doing so they are looking for these artifacts to to enter the end game area and uh, and prevent a lot to come back to the world and destroy everything so in the competitive mode there is a bit of hurry the way that there are other champions that are doing the stuff you're doing so when you get an artifact the other champions are basically notified and they could decide to hunt you and the opposite if another champion get one of the artifacts, you have forced at, at some point to, to hunt him because just one entered the end game. And we have 40 different champions. Uh, uh, every champion has his own behavior. So there are champions that are more aggressive. Those, so they are doing their, uh, they play through hunting you. Others that are passive. So they are taking the, their time doing quests as, as you do, stuff like that. So we have this single player campaign, which is huge. And the competitive mode which is the single player campaign with this with this twist with these guys and hunting for you and uh, the other cool thing is that the single player campaign changes uh w- with the race you are playing because the game is, is is still the same but again dialogues changes because when you enter you know the throne room of the human kingdom as a dwarf you, you are treated like dwarf <laughs> if you are a, a human noble you, you are uh, getting different dialogues and stuff like that so i think this is the, one of the best part of the game actually absolutely it's fascinating how how you built this and all this interconnectivity and realizing that the player is not the center of the universe no, no. <laughs> and that's what bothers people and i say well have you not played a moba anyway <laughs> let's do <move> it <laughs> With Alaloth Champions of the Four Kingdoms looking, looking like a hack and slash adventure. This is an old term, everyone meaning Diablo and things like that. Uh, but it's not. But it plays yeah. more like, I've written here CRPG, but you mentioned it's not quite the same. But it's, it's more depth, it has more depth to that. It's not an arcade hack and slash where to the point where you're just bashing the mouse button or whatever you and until everything's dead. It doesn't work. That will not work. What do you do to a new player? How do you make sure the player is suitably informed to know that they must, must proceed with caution? It's quite likely they will get mullered very easily. If they don't, if they generally think this is a button masher, they will, you know, what do you do? I know what you do, but I want you to tell us in the audience, what do you think Alalov does to make sure that the player is suitably prepared to what they're about to face. Consider that uh, my, my, in the original plan, uh, I was thinking about not even putting in a tutorial. So <laughs> I was forced to put in a tutorial by other designers working in the team. But at, at the very beginning, I was uh, no, I was not to for a tutorial. Every, everyone has to find his way in the dying here and there. 
But yeah, there is a tutorial right now. So basically, every time you perform an action for the first time, you are informed of the, uh, by the game on what's happening. Uh, so the combat system is explained because when you start, you start you know, in your own stronghold. And the first thing you have to do is basically sparring a bit with um, uh, one of your uh, assistants, let's say. Uh, so there is this small tutorial, but uh, we basically are trying to say, uh, we are trying to explain that, yeah, it's, it's a game that does not to be rushed at all. Uh, it's not to be rushed at all because it's not Diablo. So the, one of the pillars at the very beginning was to create something which was different because I, I don't like the idea to play a game where I just to have push button randomically at some, at some point and killing everything without understanding what's happening on screen. So in adult, you are not going to fight huge waves of enemies. You are going to fight a bunch of enemies, smart, uh, so the idea was to deliver something like, you know, a very choreographical combat, let's say, when you have to dodge, um, get stamina back, think about what you're doing, uh, considering the, the enemy that you're facing. Because the other thing that, that is directly connected to this, uh, is directly connected to, to not rushing, let's say, is that we wrote something like, 330,000 words. So you have to read, <laughs> you have to read what we have wrote down because we uh, we basically disseminated a lot of things here and there that you can't recoup in any way. You have to be careful and you have to pay attention to every single bark around from the NPC. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a bigger it's it's, a, it's it's something bigger. I mean, uh, as a small dev studio, you know everything is about resources you have to to develop stuff. So the game is completely self-funded, uh, our money, and and uh, a small studio at some point have to deal with the fact that resources are not infinite. So you can think whatever you want trying to do the best game you want, but there are some limits when it's about tech, money, real world, uh, bills to be paid and stuff like that. The only thing that a very small studio can do as a AAA studio is paying attention to details. It's very small details. That's uh, basically what our player base is, is loving because in other words, I can say that every single sentence has been put in with a purpose. Every single uh, desk in, in, in the market uh, represents what the vendor is selling. So that's the kind of attention you can put in without being you know, uh, limited by resources you have. So all this kind of stuff, uh, basically is is what we are using to to inform the player of, of, about what is going to find in the game even later on playing a lot and, and and the combat is the same stuff so you don't have to rush we are not going you don't ever you're not you're not going to say you don't have to rush in game of course but you can understand that you're not going to rush you don't have to rush from the very single sentence from the very first NPC you meet in your stronghold. That, that, that's how we do, because at, at the very end, the game is not difficult. We are still balancing, of course, balancing and polishing stuff, but we were not aiming to create a frustrating experience, uh, uh, let's say an exaggerated souls-like experience. Again, we are in between. So it's not Diablo, but it's not even Dark Soul. So it has to be, we are, we are talking to two different targets, completely different targets. So we are talking to CRPG lovers and action lovers, and we have to make both happy. And what we are trying to do is basically trying to force, let's say the, the right way, not forcing, <laughs> but we are trying to force CRPG lovers to play a little bit more action, let's say, at the same time, we are trying to force Diablo lovers 
to pay attention to details a little bit more instead of just thinking about you know DPS and uh, uh, numbers going power up. plays. Yeah, numbers. Going yeah, up. The, 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 that's it. And everything has been done to achieve this kind of uh, this kind of result. So, next question then, which is related to the one just asked: the crafting. More to the point, the cooking. You can cook various things, foods and dishes in uh, Alaloth, yeah. Champions of the Four Kingdoms. And they give you buffs. They give the player buffs and abilities. It increases their stamina and all sorts of things. And you get, it gets even more um, complicated. The, the bigger, the better the dishes you have. How did this come about? Um, let's say that, well, first of all, we are right now we are on crafting and cooking and some related trades let's say we are we are basically changing a little bit this kind of stuff uh -huh. following feedbacks from players but um let's say the, the game is uh, is very unique the way as you know you don't get experience uh, just killing mobs but you get experience cleaning fighting areas claiming firing fighting areas that are basically dungeons or you know places in which you fight so uh, the cooking is basically your chance to get some buff and uh, when, it's like Monster Hunter more or less. So when you cook something, the effect of the buff uh, lasts for the entire duration of the fighting area you're entering. While the stuff you uh, bring with you uh, and you basically put on your belt is just uh, time limited. So if you cook something before entering a fight, the effect of the buff, it will last for the entire fight. If you eat something when you are arrayed in fights, it could be you know 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, something like this. Uh, because um, the combat, you know, when you enter a fighting area, there is no way to, to leave it. So you can claim the fighting area or just die trying. And... Uh, this is another thing that we thought it, that would have been interesting because there is no chance to change your equipment when you're in. You have to carefully choose, choose what you have to bring with you. So you have just four slots on your belt. So you can decide to bring with you four healing potions or you know two potions and something else. But yeah, this is, I mean, part of the uh, 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 of the big picture, including cooking and, and crafting all this kind of stuff. Because back to the fact that we wrote down a lot of uh, a lot of words, and uh, and there are hints here and there uh, advising the player that you have to be careful in what you do. Uh, for the fights, it's the same stuff. So the idea is that you approach a fighting area or in general a, an important fight a boss fight or whatever uh being briefed so you have to be you have the chance to get a brief of what you're going to face so you're going to equip accordingly you're going to cook accordingly and stuff like that so for example there is a, a nightmarish fighting area which is queen's rest which is the most hated from from the players which is very is very difficult uh because there are sort of uh fire lawyers with using fireballs and a lot of fire-related stuff. It's very difficult, but that's the simple of what we mean in terms of briefing. I mean, if you enter a fighting area with uh, an armor set that defends you from ice, and you're entering a fighting area where all the people is using fire, you're going to die. <laughs> so it's, it's super easy. So so that, that's the idea. You have, to, you have to think about things you're going to do in fights, but even before. And and cooking is just part of the stuff you have to plan before going to fight. That, that, that's the idea. Last question. Here we go. There is an overworld map, a beautiful one, yeah. in Alaloth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. Well, everything's beautiful in it, but the overworld map is exceptional. And it gives players choice as to what they want to do and where they wish to go it's and it always a time kind of as we mentioned earlier and it, it sort of gives them a sense of where they are in relation to other things and other places at all times rather than having 
hubs and portals that just transport you from one area to another area to another area. Why? Why did you do that? Okay. Um, first of all, we did it because we, the idea was to, as I said, I was thinking about not even putting in a tutorial. So it's like, you know, a game of, from the 80s, from the 90s that we were mentioning before. Uh, remember Ultima Online, you were just thrown at the bank at the very beginning of the game and you feel uh, lost. And the first time you did in Ultima Online was just moving out from Britannia, cemetery, player killer, done. <laughs> so, so the idea was to do not something like this, but a lot of people and developers uh, think about uh, having the player lost in this huge world like an issue. Uh, at the opposite, we think that getting lost since the very beginning gives you, you know, an idea of uh, a huge world to explore because basically you can do whatever you want since the very first minute of gameplay. So of course you have to be you have to be guided a little bit, but you know when you left the the the, the throne room for the first time, you're just free to do whatever you want. It's like you know the old Gothic, for example. You have fighting areas that are marked with the skulls, and the the, the more the skulls are, the more difficult the area is. Given that you are free to go there after 30 seconds, then if you die, <laughs> you die. Uh, and then let's say that there is even a, um, let's say a contingency, I would say, uh, because at some point during the development, we had some huge problems. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we have got back publishing rights for the game uh, in May of 2022, because we, we were with a publisher. Let's say that I can't comment this, of course, but I can say that at some point during the development, we had huge problems and we were stuck in a sort of um, limbo while trying to get the license back. And the only thing that we were allowed to do was just work on the game. So let's say that even after the pandemic, that has been a pain and we had to, to, to face a lot of other issues that were not related to the development directly because uh, we, we had the pandemic as anyone else in, in, in the world, but we're even, uh, you know, we, we had a problem with, uh, with one of our lead design, lead coder that was uh, working in Minsk during the election. And, you know, Minsk is not the most, let's say, the most democratic place in the world. So this guy has basically been arrested in his home by the police and he disappeared for three months and it was our lead coder. So we had a huge delay uh, for this because it was just disappeared from a day from another and it was tortured and very bad stories. We have Chris Avalon that, that worked on the, on the first draft of, of the world uh, for the game. And we basically built up a lot of marketing and PR stuff around Chris at the time and then allegations popped up and everything was gone. Um, we lost one of uh, of the founders of the team in a mountain accident at some point, and so we, we face a, a, our studio was flooded at some point in 2020. So we literally faced a lot of uh, issues that, again, were not directly related to development. So it's not even again uh, about having a plan B or a plan C because it's not development related stuff. It's just about surviving. And when we were stuck in this huge black hole trying to get the game back, the only thing that we were allowed to do was just working on the game. So we sat down and said, okay, we don't know where we are going. We don't know what is going to happen. So let's try to make um, all of this, let's try to turn all of this in a, in a good thing. So we basically changed the scope, added features that were originally cut to be uh, on time with our schedule. And, and the game just started to, to, to get bigger and bigger. And the cool thing is that uh, we loved it. 
because at the very end, when we got the, the, the publishing rights back, we say we have two, two options right now. We can just rush, deliver, take money, and move on something else, doing, you know, finding a new publisher, taking care of parts and stuff. And it was the easy choice. But after all the struggle and the issues we had, when we got the, the publishing rights back, we said, okay, let's push as much as possible, trying to do what we originally had in mind uh, when we started this journey. And we had to face all this, th these problems that somehow we, we survived. And, and that's why we decided to go into early access and take all the time that, 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 that we need, even because, I mean, early access usually is something different from what we are doing right now, because yes, the game is in early access, but it's just basically missing polishing, some balancing, and we are in early access because we were supposed to get support from localization, dubbing, a lot of stuff that is gone with the, with the publishing deal. So that's why it's early access, but again, it's fully playable since day one. It's a 100 more hours of content, no game breaking bugs. We didn't uh, wipe any save since the, the day one release. So it's basically a full game. Uh, it's just early access because we don't want to rush anymore as we have been forced to do to face all the <laughs> shit we have to, to face on the way. That, so, that, that's it. So we are yeah, so taking we, all the time we need. So what you're telling me is that the overworld map is a product of adver ad, you know, adversity. It exists because, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it's, I love yeah, it. It was, it, it, was very, it was very different. It was supposed to be smaller. Uh, it was to be probably enough of the location and stuff, but we were stuck. So let's add this, let's add that. Uh, and it's fun. Right now, I could say that we, we did the, the, the best choice at the very end because the, 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 the world is cool and yeah. it's huge. And we are still building up. So we are adding new kingdoms. Uh, new, new, new parts of the map. We are on this right now. So, yeah. Who knew feature creep could be managed? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alalof, Champions of the Four Kingdoms, uh, is developed by uh, Gamera Interactive. It's a great name. I like it. Yes. And <laughs> um, it's, it's to the point. There's no ambiguity there. No color animal that's it it's you know what, what can it possibly be <laughs> and, this is a game era to avoid you know to yeah, be yeah. sued by Japan. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. yeah yeah uh <laughs> and fine. is available what is what uh, is alalof champions of the four kingdoms what is it uh, available on presently it's available on steam and gog uh, and it's on sale right now it is. so yeah, yeah. Uh, of course we have we are going to bring the game on consoles, but right now we are focusing on finishing what we have announced with our roadmap. So the focus is on the main SKU, which is the PC one. There are a lot of interesting options, let's say, for us. So there are a lot of publishers trying to, to, to bring the game on consoles. But again, this time will be um, a very slower let's say slower reasoning before moving with with this kind of partnerships because we 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 don't need this at this stage and uh again we would like to finish the game the way we originally thought it so that's it so alberto it's been wonderful having you on the show it generally has you've been you. really open and honest about the long and storied uh, of your career to date and uh, the creation of Alaloth, Champions of the Four Kingdoms. It's been, it's been quite an adventure, which is great. Yeah. You're more than welcome to come back because we've had repeat guests over the years uh, to talk about uh, whatever's next cooking in your collective brains. But, uh, yeah. yeah, in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, 
YouTube and at our website, canonrinse.com. Thank you.